Доброго вечора, ми з України. Hello, we are from Ukraine. We are Ukraine FM team, Radio National Resistance. We bring you interview subjects from all walks of life in wartime in Ukraine. Thanks to all our listeners around the world. Here is our collaborator and your host, Anne Levin. You are listening Ukraine 242. The story of Ukraine FM. I'm Anne Levine at WOMR Community Radio in Provincetown, Massachusetts. When Russia attacked Ukraine on February 24th of this year, I felt compelled to contribute to the Ukrainian cause in a meaningful way. On March 18th, I read a New Yorker article about Kraina FM and was immediately inspired to contact my radio colleagues in Ukraine. Kraina FM, literally the country FM, is a Ukrainian national radio network broadcasting in 27 cities. Until the Russian bombing of the station's broadcast tower, the world's largest, Kraina played the country's only all-Ukrainian lineup of pop music, light news breaks, weather, traffic, and on weekends, children's programming. All other stations in Ukraine play a mix of Russian, English, and French language programs, making Kraina a patriotic touchstone. Bogdan Bolkovetsky, Ukraine FM's general manager, fled Kyiv with his family on the morning of February 24th after the bombs began to fall. They spent several days on the run before finding a place to stay in an undisclosed location. Bogdan was able to join up with his programming director, and together they put Ukraine FM back on the air, rebranded as Radio National Resistance. In this recent interview with him, Bogdan not only describes what a radio station means to a country in crisis, but also what it is like as a father and husband to wake up to war in the middle of the night. Bogdan started out by describing the Kraina FM radio network and how it was uniquely Ukrainian from the onset. It was the first 100% Ukrainian language national station in the country. You don't hear anything else except Ukrainian language. That was our choice. We started in 2015, and it was a relief for a lot of people, I guess. What else would you be hearing on other stations? Music which is popular in United States, adult contemporary, like Michael Jackson, Britney Spears. You were not obliged to play only Ukrainian music. That was our decision, because I am Ukrainian, seven generations back. My father was Ukrainian, my mother was Ukrainian. And for me, it was something very, very personal to do the station, which is only Ukrainian. So you were living life in Kyiv? Kyiv, yes. The general manager of Kraina FM. Right. Two months ago, what was your daily life like? Very, very nice. My daughter studies chemistry. I have a son who is nine years old, and they have an absolutely normal life. And what happened on the 24th, correct? Yes, everyone would remember this date forever. I woke up at 2.30 from a horrible nightmare, just horrible nightmare. And I couldn't go back to sleep. And uh, if you cannot go back to sleep, what you do? Right, you browse, you just go open up your laptop and you browse, you read news, you read something else. And I couldn't go back to sleep like till five. 
And at five, I thought that the sleep is coming back over me. And I am literally closing the laptop. And I see the red news alert that Putin is addressing the nation. And at the same time, I hear bombing starts in Kiev. At the same time, I see this red alert that Putin is addressing the nation and bombing starts in Kiev. And uh, of course, I open up the laptop and I click on that link and uh, I see this bastard saying about Nazis in Ukraine. It's just unbelievable. He's saying all this. I mean, he's just a sick person, like very, very mentally sick person who needs help and who needs to be kept in asylum somewhere. And the bombing starts, heavy bombing, and family wakes up. And we just throw into bags which we found what we see. I had like three winter coats <laughs> and, and, and one sweatpants I was wearing for 26 days. <laughs> It's five o'clock in the morning. It's dark outside. It's cold. And the son, he's asking, what's happening? Papa, what's happening? What's happening? Are we going to die? Are we going to die? What's happening? What's happening? We live on the ninth floor. And I understand that we cannot use the elevator. So we have to bring down the things by, by feet mm-hmm. downstairs. And then go upstairs, get some more bags, throw in whatever we see. We were in a hurry because a lot of people around us were waking up. A lot of people trying to to escape. So we see that the traffic builds up. So we cannot just go many times upstairs and bring down everything we can. Right. Right. And we move because otherwise I I, I don't know what what's going to happen next. And we moved to our summer house in Bucha, oh. which is about 25 miles from the apartment. And the basic idea was that we'll go to a summer house and then we'll see what happens because it's unthinkable what, what is happening. It should be stopped like immediately. It's a mistake. They cannot bomb Kiev, <laughs> for Christ's sake. They just cannot. The last time Kiev was bombed was during World War II. Not, not now. You cannot bomb European city. Five million people living there. You cannot bomb it. Just just for some made-up reasons. <laughs> He's just a crazy, just a crazy person, this uh, Putin of theirs. He's absurd. What, what he's saying, it's absurd. And you cannot start bombing city... <laughs> just thinking about Ukraine as a national state only in your head. Right. There is no facts to this. Anyway, we, we go to summer house and we think that it should be over like in an hour because we cannot comprehend. Do I make myself clear? Yes, absolutely. We just cannot comprehend how, how, how is it at all possible. Not bombing from Russia at five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. That was not comprehensible at all. At all. So we decided to move 20 miles uh, away and come back to our senses there. So we moved there, and if you don't know what it is, just Google Rostomil Bucha. That's where our summer house is. We built this house. That's a lot in the news just recently. Yes, yes, yes. What you see in the news, it's not true because it's worse there. It's worse. I call my neighbors, I call my friends. It's much worse from what you see even now in the news. Hundreds of people are missing. They will be found in this mass grave, but later. But anyway, we went there seeking for some type of shelter, you know, just for a break and comprehend what's going on. And as soon as we got there, the hell broke loose because they started storming Hostomel Airport. And Hostomel runway 
is literally 900 meters from my porch. They were coming in waves, many helicopters, many helicopters, many times. And I saw everything. They attack airport like for half an hour. Then they go back to their base, get the ammunition, reload it, and come back in half an hour. I saw just literally from my porch. And in one of these half an hour, when they were out reloading, we got into the car and just moved anywhere further to Western Ukraine. That's my day, 24th of February. It's incredible. Did you have a place in mind to go to? No, no. If you had a plan, you would have left earlier. I doubt that a lot of people had real plans. And the basic idea for everyone was not where to go, but to go from where. Do, do I make myself clear? Yes. So the basic idea was we should leave this place immediately and we'll see what happens next. Let's move like 400 miles, okay? Which seemed pretty safe, 100 miles. Let's move there and we'll see. Okay, if uh, there is no hotel, we, we understand this, there is no place to stay, we'll sleep in the car, okay? Okay, but it's doable. You can sleep in the car. I did it many times in my life. It, it, it's nothing compared to being under shelling and bombing. Right. So you move first 100 kilometers and you uh, understand that nothing is going to stop. And then you move further, further, further. And uh, then night comes over and we were just looking for a place to stay in every city we were passing and we found just one room in one of these small cities and it was close to 11 p.m i guess it was very very dark fun fact <laughs> funny thing happened actually as it may be funny under those circumstances huge really huge lines on gas stations you could have spent two hours mm. but we had some petrol even decided let's go let's go let's go let's go so, and we go, and we go, and we go. After hour, after hour, we go, and the lines are terrific everywhere. And then, all of a sudden, in a place where we have found this small hotel and a, a tiny room, not far from that place, we come over, and there is a gas station. It's dark outside. It looks like it's straight in the field, and there are only two cars there. I understand that there is no gas there, but just in case, I drive in and I ask the person who is responsible for this station and I'm saying, you have any gas or you probably don't have any gas? And he says, but yeah, we do, we have, come on, it's unleaded, 95, like, <laughs> regular gas. Wow. And I'm trying to fill up the, the tank and I said, you see, you, you won't imagine, like 10 kilometers back, the line would be for two, for three hours. He said, oh, we used to have the same here. They just bombed us 20 minutes ago. That's why everybody oh. laughs. <laughs> oh, I hate to laugh, but it's... Incredible. It's... I mean, yes, <laughs> we, we, we were traveling for 15 hours to escape bombing. We found a place and like 20 kilometers from the place we were going to stay for a night. <laughs> they bombed it. War humor. Oh. Yes. And you know what? We were laughing with my wife. And I got the, I sit back in the car and said, you won't believe me. Oh. Because it's unbelievable. You travel all day. You're trying to escape. You come over here. You, you, you seem to be in luck because there is no line. And you're refueling the, 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 your car. Refueling your car. Everything seems to be fine. But that's fine only because it was bombed 20 minutes ago. <laughs> 
So yeah. what did you do next? You are losing count of days and hours. You just stay for three days or for four days. You just stay. It's uh, very unusual because I'm a manager and pretty well aware of time, sensitive to this thing. But all of a sudden, you just don't think about it anymore because you read the news and it's more than you can process. You just cannot comprehend it and your capacity, mental capacities are not enough for comprehending it. And then we decided let's move somewhere because it was a real small city and you couldn't work from there or you could not get united with your colleagues in there because there is no room it's a small tiny hotel which is usually empty it was open just because the war started now what happened with the station at that point was there just dead air no it was on air because we have automatic systems there was no regular programming three or four days we did anything except music and maybe just announcement like be safe he was under attack and to ask people to go to the office, insane idea. I'm Ann Levine from WOMR Community Radio in Provincetown, Massachusetts. This is a recording of a conversation I had with Bogdan Bolkovetsky, General Manager of Kraina FM, Ukrainian National Resistance Radio. Together with the skeleton crew, he and Roman Davidov, Kraina FM's program director, have kept this radio network on the air from undisclosed locations broadcasting to approximately 22 cities around their country. They changed their mission from music and entertainment to support and necessary wartime communications for Ukrainians since the Russian invasion of their country. In the first half of this show, Bogdan described what it was like to wake up to war. I then asked him about his eventual return visit to Kiev and finally the work he does now, serving his country with Kraina FM. You were back in the capital. You were able to get back into your apartment at that point? Yes, Kiev is not so devastated as Mariupol or many others. I see. I was back between three and four weeks after the war started. I have a friend who come over here in Ukraine to film some documentary about what's going on. Uh, I was sort of local producer for them. I took them to Kiev and spent with them seven to nine days. And then I went back to the station in the mountains. Could you describe what it was like back in the capital in a land war? That's completely different city. The streets are empty. Five million people. Which city is similar in the United States? Oh, let's say Boston, right. my closest city. Okay, okay, Boston. Imagine Boston, which is empty, like in the movie before Godzilla comes. Empty, this <laughs> empty. There are some checkpoints, curfews, and usually eight or nine air raid alerts. The shortest alert is half an hour, and the longest was around three hours. And it happens daily. When that mm -hmm. happens, what do you have to do? There are shelters, makeshift shelters, like a parking lot underneath the shopping mall or a basement or anywhere. You just run for a shelter, run for cover, or you go to any subway station. They were all open as shelters. We were trying to follow these air raid alerts like for the first day, 
and you cannot do anything next morning because you cannot sleep, you cannot eat, and people are just so tired. They do not go out anywhere. If you have eight or nine air raid alerts a day, you have a raid alert every three hours. And it might be like half an hour or it may be all three hours. Or they might have like three or five in a row with just 15 minutes break. In 15 minutes, you have another air raid alert and they cancel it in an hour and a half. Then in 20 minutes, you have another. Do, do I make myself clear? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You're just plain exhausted. You're sleepy and exhausted. And what creative decision can you make or what stamina can you use? Nothing. I can't imagine. So at of some course, point you say, mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to go to sleep or keep doing what yes. I'm doing. Yes, actually. That was our modus operandi. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. what we decided to do. But several times when the explosions were extremely high and very, very audible, then we were running for this shelter. So what was happening with the station at that point? Still broadcasting on automatic? Mm -hmm. You were still using the towers in the city? If I recall correctly, day seven or day eight, these huge missiles hit the broadcasting tower in Kiev and killed five bypassers unbelievable and we were off air for a week in kiev but we were broadcasting on other territories then they hit kharkiv also big city and we were out for five days in kharkiv but by that moment kiev was already operational we were broadcasting in kiev and all around ukraine and right now they control four cities in southern part of ukraine where we do not broadcast but we broadcast on 22 cities and there was a big pivot you made about what you were broadcasting yes there used to be a music station like a normal station which people tune into your car to sing alone like any normal people would do and uh, after war started we changed our positioning and slogan from 100 percent ukrainian to radio of national resistance and almost immediately we started broadcasting requests from military advices from psychologists a lot of things which were practical at that moment, you know. And no, we were not playing just music and that's it. We have an announcement almost after every song right now, or after two songs at most. I would tell you what type of announcement. Our military listeners call in and say what they need right now. And they might need binoculars, they might need socks, they might need computers or laptops, printers, they might need some medicine. At the end of every request for help, we announce a phone number very slowly and we do it twice. And people who listen to the station, if he has a laptop, it brings him to the military guys. Mm -hmm. They know where to go to the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We say phone number. And in case a person cannot recall the number, they just contact us through the web page or social media and saying, listen, I have this printer, where should I bring, whom should I bring it to? And we just text him the phone number of the person who was asking for a printer. So you're sort of the clearinghouse. One of them, one of them, because everyone is helping everyone right now, because the volunteers are playing such a huge role in Ukrainian resistance right now. People are helping, and we are just trying to connect the dots to amplify the message, that's what we do. And by this, we increase the chance of getting this printer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Our initial idea was to collect a chunk of money 
and to buy a pickup truck. Why pickup truck? Because in some parts of front lines, it's so-called Toyota war. People buy Toyota truck, mount a gun on top of Toyota truck, and they can move very fast around forests and be very hard for enemy to get them. And that's very popular. And that's our collecting money to buy this Toyota truck, not a new one, of course, used pickup truck. And I understand that a lot of people trying to raise funds for different causes, and every cause is good. But from what we hear right now, what military is really looking for are radios, military-grade radios like Motorola 4400 or Motorola 4800 or something of that kind. Because a lot of people have been drafted and supplies are not there yet. And they're just looking for means of communication. And what can be better for a radio station to raise money for radios, right? Maybe someone has a couple of radios he is not using anymore. Why, why not send them in and send them to work, to the battlefield where they belong? Let me ask you another question, which may be crazy. I don't know, but are you able to receive packages? Of course, of course. Sure, it's very simple. A lot of people are volunteering everywhere. You send packages to Europe, and from Europe, people bring it to Ukraine in two hours. You will send it somewhere, I don't know, to Poland or to Slovakia or Hungary, to any country. That's what people are using right now. If someone needs special medicines and your friend from USA sends to Slovak friends the medicine and Slovak friends just brings over the border. So it's fully operational. Yes, of course. And listen, about medicine, there's really needed anticoagulant and blood-stopping devices. That's in such a huge demand because they bomb everything. At any moment, they bomb children, women, peaceful people, and it's in huge demand right now. Blood-stopping medicine, everything what stops blood. Is there one thing that every day you say, I wish I could have, if I could just have this one thing? Is there something like that? You are looking for some mundane thing. Very sure. simple. Listen, for the first two weeks, it was beer. <laughs> Realistically, in the evening, you would like to have a, a glass of beer because you are so stressed. And yes, yeah, just a glass of beer. But there was no beer available. And there was also abolition all over the country. And you couldn't buy beer even if there were supplies at some shop and you knew where the shop was. Why? Why? Because it's war. You should be sober and alert. You, you don't want people to be drunk. Just imagine, raid alert come. But you had three beers. And you say, ah, <laughs> listen, I'll wait. And boom, it hits you. And then a lot of people should take you from this, you are creating so many problems just because you are not sober. Those are the little right. things that we don't think about at all. No, I understand. Are you able to get it now? Yes, yes, yes. Beer is legal again. Beer and some very light wine. No, no vodka, no whiskey. No, no, no. Right. Mm -hmm. What are you doing about food? It was scarce on the first days, but right now supply and demand are more or less okay. I mean, you don't have your whole foods <laughs> supply, listeners, <laughs> but you have chicken, you have pork most of the time, and I eat what I have. So where you are, people aren't hungry? No, 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 of course, no. Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking the time. I, Pleasure I was mine. I know you have quite a lot to deal with and to do. One of the things I love about radio, and the reason I contacted you initially, was because I read about you 
in the New Yorker and your radio people. So I felt an instant connection. Mm -hmm. What would you say about the power of radio, the community of radio people? (laughs) So the power of radio, I can tell you it works. And the tougher the conditions, the more important the radio is. I mean, everyone, you know, is a smart ass when you have a new iPhone and 5G connection and the iCloud access. Everyone is smart. Uh-huh. But if Russian missiles hits the station and you have no internet, you have nothing, you, you can use your iPhone as a brick. And the only right. means of communication would be old-fashioned good AM or FM, which is for free. You don't have to pay for it. You just tune in and you listen to it. And the information you listen to will save your life, or it will save somebody's life. That's what's at stake. That's the importance of radio. Not just some entertainment, or not just somebody's vacation in Indonesia, or whoever spends time where on yacht, or on a private plane. No, that's not just a new song, or a new sneakers. No, that's the cost of your life, or your relatives, or your country life. That's what radio does. It might literally save your life. Or you might save somebody's life. That's, That's critical. Yeah, That's true. It is. People just don't think about it. But you start thinking about it the first time you get under bombing, believe me. Because you understand that internet will die first. <laughs> TV will be dead. You understand this as well. Plus, you cannot carry around TV with you to your shelter or to your basement. Right. It's very inconvenient to bring your 55 inches plasma to, <laughs> to your basement. The fact yeah, that you have a sense you, of humor. Very, very, very fast, you figure out that the only thing that will keep you informed is radio, is this small, old-fashioned thing called radio. That's it. And you start loving it more than iPhone 26 or whatsoever. Or how you love this little thing, huh? <laughs> Could not agree with you more. I want to thank you for what you're doing for us, because that is very, very important to know and to feel this support and uh, to know that we are not alone in this war and to know that people from far, far abroad, I mean, we are not neighbors with you and you are supporting and you are helping and you are putting an effort. You have no idea how important it's to us. Thank to know you. that we are not alone. Yes, please believe me. There is no small or big help here. All help is huge. Thank you. All help is huge. Thank you so much for this. Thank you, Bogdan. Mm-hmm. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. Annie. And my best Thank to you your so family and Roman and everyone at Krena of FM. Of course. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm Ann Levine from WOMR Community Radio in Provincetown, Massachusetts, with Bogdan Bolkovetsky, General Manager of Kraina FM, Ukrainian National Resistance Radio. For more information or to comment on today's show, go to Ukraine242.com. To leave a message of support for the Ukrainian people that will be aired on 24 stations across Ukraine, call 510-883-3115. That's 510-883-3115. Thank you for listening. You have been listening to Ukraine 242. 
I am Roman Davidov, the programming director of Krain FM, Radio National Resistance. We broadcast in 24 cities throughout Ukraine. We arranged this interview for your host, Anne Levin, the creator of Ukraine 242. Our collaborators are WOMR Radio and Pacifica Network. We bring you first-hand reports from people in Ukraine and their experience during the Russian invasion. Editing and production by Ursula Rudenberg at Pacifica Network. Recordings by Michael Levin. Interviews arranged by Roman Davidov of Kraina FM in Ukraine. The music you heard was Probas and Hardy. Dobroho Vechera. Where are you from? More information available at ukraine242.com. Until next time on Ukraine 242. Thank you for listening.